Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Very thankful. You guys can have a seat. Always thankful for our worship team all weekend here leading us in song to worship. Um, so, uh, good morning. How are we doing? Come on, you guys should be more awake than the nine. How are we doing? All right, good, good. Hey, I wanted to start today um, with a, a video clip. You might have seen this because it went viral. Um, if you've ever been a parent or a grandparent of a child playing sports, you'll probably um, feel for this poor dad um, and uh, hopefully didn't do what he did. Let's, uh, let's watch together. <laughs> Love the slow mo. <laughs> I love the thing. He was just trying to guide his son. I mean, really? I think he tossed him halfway across the field, you know? And sometimes I think, because obviously that kid just didn't know what was going on. There was an actual soccer game taking place, and he was in the middle of it, right? And, and this is what we talked about with this series of warfare. That sometimes as Christians, you know, I don't think, because God's sovereign, I don't think he needs to go, oh, no, and throw us into the way. Uh, but, but sometimes you wonder, because it's like we, we, we forget that where we are, and we're in the middle of this, this war. But again, not to be afraid, right? Not to be scared, but to be aware. That's the key. Not to be frightened because the victory in Christ is already secured. But we should be aware that there is an enemy who hates God, hates his people, therefore hates the gospel and anything that God might do in our lives. And so he's going to come against that. We have to be aware that we're in that fight, and that's why we have the whole armor of God. Today, we look at the fourth element of that, and that's the shield of faith. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we... We thank you for the cross, and we, we thank you for the resurrection and the power that comes from that. Father, we come um, acknowledging this morning that we're from all different places, and we have some men and women who are with us or online with us who have great faith. Praise God that you've given them that. Pray that you'd strengthen them in that walk. But there's others of us here who might be really waning and not sure what we believe or if we still believe. And so, Lord, I pray that you would show us what the shield of faith is. And as those fiery arrows come, they're coming even now, that of doubts, to, to try to create doubt in our minds. Lord, that you would shield us, that we would trust you in your promises and your power. We just bless your name this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. So um, we're just calling this quenching the enemy's Arrows. That's exciting, isn't it? Ready for the fight. And, and, and even as I just prayed, arrows come. He doesn't, he, he doesn't leave churches alone, right? He attacks now. Don't listen to that crazy pastor. with Old-fashioned ideas, right? The ridiculous. Like, those are arrows coming at us all the time. And we just need to be aware. Not scared, but be aware. So what, um, if you've been with us, you know this. We started in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 10. We're going to pick it up at 13. If you have your Bibles and want to open up, it's Ephesians 6. And we're going to start in verse 
13. We do have a um, few Bibles if you want to use one of those. Um, and also, if you don't own a Bible, please take one of those um, or you know someone who needs a Bible. We would love, we always want people to have God's Word, so grab that. Um, so it, just as a, a reminder that this letter, this is kind of the last section of a whole letter that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, to a church in Ephesus who he was very familiar with. They were, he had spent three years with the Ephesians. And so, so he's, he's writing, though, from a Roman prison. And that's probably where he got the idea of the armor, right? That he's seen a lot of soldiers with elements of the armor on. He's like, oh, yeah, spiritual armor, right? And so he, he, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. And we've seen in the previous to that, the last few weeks, that, that there is an enemy of God. There's called the devil or Satan, the father of lies, given a lot of names. He hates God and therefore he hates his plan, right? And so what does he say? Take up the whole armor of God, right? You don't go to war and say, eh, this enemy's not that bad. I'm just going to grab my sword. I'll just, maybe I'll take a shield. And maybe No, take it all and put it on. But we have said over and over again, and you're going to hear me continue to say it, that this is the armor of who? Right. It's not the army of Jamie. It's not the army of your name. It's not the army of the mature Christian or the army of the biblical expert or the seminarian. It's the arm- armor of God. And whether you, uh, maybe the Holy Spirit uh, came upon you while we were worshiping and you came to Christ and you're a Christian now for 15 minutes or you've been following Christ for decades, we have the exact same armor available to us. You don't earn more. You don't create more. The, the, the more good things you do, the more armor you get. No, no, no. This is God's armor, right, that you have access to. What you and I need to do is put it on, and that's what we've seen. Um, and so uh, just as a recap, the first three weeks, we've, we've done these first three, right? Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Remember last week we had cleats, right? Dig in in the gospel of peace. And, and so, so he, he now gets to this fourth element. I want you to notice a little bit of a, a difference. First three are things you fasten on or tie on. This is something kind of to the side that you have to take up, right? He says in verse 16, in all circumstances, right? So that's going to tell you what? Even right now, right? there's no place where you don't need this. Okay, so in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. All right, so um, you guys are going to just be amazed. I spent hours slaving over this beautiful creation of a shield of faith. Actually, it's two minutes, but that's okay, all right? And it's actually, as you're going to see, this isn't as big as it should be, but I want you to kind of just get a picture of this, this idea of, um, of, of a shield that you bring into battle with you and imagine you're fighting an army, you're shooting arrows, and you're just like, eh, I don't need this shield. But no, you need to pick up the, the shield of, of faith. And I want you to notice a, a very important thing. It's not have enough faith to pick up the shield, right? It's the, the shield in itself is faith, Right? Faith is not a, a new concept in the Bible. Paul doesn't make it up. It's throughout the Old Testament, we have uh, this image of God as our shield. God, trust him as our, our shield. So Paul's really just playing on that, right? That, that in the armor of God, that the shield itself is uh, faith. Despite temptations, 
despite uh, the, the, the inciting to doubt, the struggles you might have, and the, as the enemy's attacking, you can trust God in faith. That's your shield. Right? That's, that's what you need to pick up. The promises and power of, of Christ. And so, um, this is actually uh, a picture of what it really might have looked like, not my pathetic uh, example. Um, and this is the Roman scutum, it was called. Okay, and it was about four feet tall, two and a half feet wide. Right, so it wasn't as big as a person, but it was big enough where most, you know, average soldiers could really get their whole body covered. And what they would do is they'd build it with wood, and they would usually have a couple of different, they would, they would put together pieces of wood and make it nice and sturdy. But then they would cover it in leather or some other animal hide. And before a, a battle, they would actually take the scutum and they would Im- submerge it in water. Right? Have you ever used grill planks? I like to use those. You put planks on a grill and you can cook something on them. If you don't wet those for at least 20 minutes to half an hour before you use them, they go up in flames because it's wood on a grill. Right? But if you wet them, it actually works. Same idea. Why did they do that? Because of advancement of weapons. The enemy actually would take arrows, soak them in oil, light them, and Right? And can you just imagine if you just had a sh- First of all, imagine you have no shield. <laughs> those arrows are coming at you. You're in trouble. Now imagine you have a shield, but it's just made of dry wood, right? That's why they, they lit them on fire. The arrow might hit the shield, but now the shield turns to a flame. And so they would actually have the scutum, and it would, and with the, between the wet leather, it would go, the, the arrow would go and sizzle out. And so, so Paul is actually telling us that we have a spiritual shield of faith that does the very same thing to the enemy's fiery arrows that he shoots at us. So what are those? Are the are those physical arrows? I, I hope not. I don't think so. You're not going to leave church here. Whoa, there goes one, right? But spiritual arrows, right? Where, where he tries to incite us to doubt God, to doubt as we'll see his promises, to doubt his power, to incite us to anger, pride, vanity, right? Selfishness, putting ourselves first. And, and, and he's constantly trying to get us to do that. And the shield of faith, trusting God, is how we're protected from those, those arrows, so the first place where I think he, he, he attacks with his fiery arrows is, is, is he try, tries to get us to doubt God's promises, right? Starts with the gospel, that the cross is enough for you, that the resurrection, like we sang today, Jesus is enough, the cross is enough, and it's a beautiful thing to say in church, but how often do we get in, out in our lives, and it's just hard to believe that. And he's, he's trying to come at you with that, right? Don't believe his promises. Don't believe that he has you. And so the, 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 the first place where I, I want us to pick up the, the shield of faith, as Paul describes, is faith in God's promises. When we do that, when we truly believe in God's promises, it extinguishes the fighty, fiery arrows of doubt and depression. Right? So what happens is the arrows, he wants you to get to, to doubt God's promises, therefore you doubt God's purpose for you. And therefore you, you start to doubt God's plan for you. And so much fear and anxiety and depression can come from this. And we see it all over the place. Right? Statistics have been done. Did you know that, um, that over 20% of our U.S. population is diagnosed right now with depression? That's diagnosed, right? So how many more aren't? One in three of adolescents will experience an anxiety disorder. I'm not sitting here saying every anxiety disorder, every depression is from the devil, right? What I'm saying is we're in a broken world 
with a lot of issues and problems, and boy, does he love to shoot arrows to poke holes in your trust so that you begin to doubt that God has a plan for your life, and that can lead a spiral of depression and anxiety all the way to where some even attempt to or are successful in taking their own life. So the last time they they did statistics for this was pre-COVID in 2019, 130 suicides a day in America. 130 suicides a day. People who are in such despair to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's plan for their life, to doubt God's promise, and so they get to a certain point where they just give up. We're we're not saying, oh, these are all non I know pastors who have given up their own life. This is from the devil. You remember Judas? So Satan entered him. He betrayed Jesus, regretted it. Then what did he do? He took his own life. Instead of realizing there is a promise of repentance and redemption, Satan incited him to end it all. He's always about death. God is always about life. And so we see this. He, these fiery arrows are to, to, to create in us this, this wanting to, to lose our purpose of who we are. And so what the armor of God is, pick up the shield of faith and say, I'm going to trust despite these arrows. I'm going to trust that Christ has promised, his gospel's enough. He saved me. He's got me. He says he's got me for all of eternity. And I don't see it right now, but I'm going to trust. One of the best places in scripture for this um, is a story, regardless of your church background, I'll bet you've heard of this one or at least part of it. And, and it's found actually in Matthew chapter 14. And what happened was Jesus sent his disciples on ahead in a boat. He didn't go with them. And they're out in the, in the sea, right? And, and, and Jesus decides to walk towards them, you know, on water. No big deal, right? And, and so Jesus is walking on, on water, and, and they eventually recognize him coming towards them. Whoa. And you got to love Peter. He's like the classic five-year-old boy, right? I want to do it without even thinking of the ramifications, right? So he, but he says, hey, Jesus, I want to walk towards you. And so what Peter's trusting is if Jesus says he can do it, that's a promise he can do it. And so what does Jesus say? He says, yeah, come, Peter, come do it. And so Peter gets out of the boat, and he begins to walk on water towards Jesus. And it's awesome. His eyes fix on Jesus until what? <laughs> he looks around and realizes as he's walking on water. And that's a terrifying thing. You can see how, how Matthew puts it. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter didn't lose all faith, right? He knew Jesus could save him, but he lost faith in Jesus' promise, right? Save me. And of course, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and he took hold of him. And saying to him, what did Jesus say to Peter? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. You see, the difference between walking and sinking is your doubts become greater than your faith. Your doubts about your circumstances become greater than your faith in the promises of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and walk on water. That was a promise given to Peter, right? But there is tons of promises that you can see in Scripture that you know if you're in Christ are for you. But there's times where you look around and you're like, I just, I don't see it. 
I don't, I don't, I don't see, and, and you start seeing your circumstances, financial or a, a really rough place in your marriage or, or someone who, who you love is sick or, or, or whatever circumstances come about, right? And, and you, just, you just feel like, and the enemy well, takes advantage of that. You're too stupid. You're too much of a failure. You're not educated enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not successful enough, right? And, and, and you begin to doubt God's promises because he's always looking to turn it around on you. You're not enough. No, I'm not. But he is. That's the shield of faith. Right? That's where you pick it up and you say, yeah, yeah, I, I know you got those arrows, but I got the shield. And that is trusting the promises of Christ. Right? That is keeping my eyes fixed on him, despite the circumstances that are in my life right now, despite the circumstances that might come tomorrow. I will trust you, Lord. It doesn't seem possible, but I will trust you. I will keep the shield of faith. And that's what all those arrows you're not enough. You're a failure. You should doubt God's promise. He saved you. I don't think so. He's got a future for you. Really? You? All of those accusations, all of those. And he doesn't just do it directly. He'll get people to say it to you all the time. He'll even get parents to say it to you or teachers to say it to you or coaches to say it. Right? And, and, and it's like, how, it's hard. You just, I believe in the promises of Christ. I will not doubt. That's a shield of faith. And, and there's a, another place in, in Matthew that I think this subject comes up as well. And, and, and it's a, a cool story where they're, they're, it's the last week of Jesus' life, and they're walking to Jerusalem, actually, and Jesus curses a fig tree. Curses a fig tree. And immediately it withers, right? And I want you to look at verse 20. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, huh, how did the fig tree wither at once? And you're like, well, yeah, that's kind of, but they've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen him make dead people alive again. They've seen him do it, right? And it's like, oh, I can't believe it. But, you know, we can pick on all we want, but that's us, right? You look back, how many times Christ has done something in your life, and then it's like, wow, I can't believe God did that. And it's like, why? Well, we're just like the disciples. And, and so they're, they're, they're just kind of crazy. Like, what, how did that happen? And so Jesus has to answer them about their faith. He says, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. I love this. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Okay, now, let's be clear. Jesus is not giving us a name it, claim it nonsense where if you just have enough faith, you'll, he's like a fairy godmother and he'll give all your wishes to, to come true. That's not what Scripture ever teaches, and don't believe that. God is sovereign, so we will only answer prayers in his will and in his timing. That's part of the shield of faith is saying, I trust that God will give, me, give this to me if it is good, or he will show me something better if it isn't, or he'll know when to give this to me. That's part of faith because we want things now. We want them now. But what does Jesus say? He says, look, you think this is so big. If you knew the power of prayer, Right? If you knew uh, that the power of the Spirit would be behind your prayers, you would be praying all the time. Because you could even have a whole mountain thrown in the sea. There's nothing. If it's in God's will, there's nothing beyond the power and promise of Christ. And so the, the shield of faith is trusting that. And so how many times I've told you the language of faith, the language of faith is prayer. It just is. That there's no getting around it. That there's no way... You and I are picking up this shield without prayer. 
If, if, if you want to ask yourself, how am I really doing? It's one thing to say, I'm going to believe, I'm going to have faith. Am I really doing that? How's your prayer life? They're always connected. In my life, they're always connected. If, if I'm relying on my own strength, my own abilities, my own whatever, right? And, and it happens, right? You start relying on that. My prayer life, it's not gone, but it's very hollow. You ever experienced that? But man, there's times in your life when you're really trusting Christ through something, your prayer life is on point. Because like Jesus says here, if you actually realized who you're talking to, you'd pray all the time. Right? You'd pray and pray and pray. And so you might ask, if you're a new, if prayer's really not something you've ever been particularly good at, or you're a newer Christian, like how do you pray? You don't need to learn all these heavy religious, you know, complicated religious words. You just pray what you have. Whatever you have, talk to God. I'm lonely. Jesus, help me. I don't know what to do with this, this relationship that I have, or at work, or this math test is so hard, or whatever it is. This is really awesome. Great. Tell him that. It's awesome. Praise him for it. That's all prayer is, right, is to pray what you have, to pray whatever the situation in your life. It's not some complicated language, but if you want to know, am I picking up my shield of faith, it means you're praying because you're, you're actually believing those promises are true. You're actually believing in the God behind those promises, right? I mean, you, you'll have the enemy shooting arrows all the time, right? Like, like uh, if you ever read Job, he lost pretty much everything, and his own wife comes to him and says, you should just curse God and die. Who do you think's behind that? Curse God and go die. <laughs> that ain't God, right? That's the enemy own life, right? So the, the, the enemy will use people in your life to incite these things, right? And Job eventually said, no, 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 no. I stand upon the earth and I know my Redeemer lives. I will stand on that. I will pick up my shield of faith through some of the most grotesque circumstances of my life, right? So, so here's the thing. You're saying, all right, Jamie, I know I, I, I should pray, right? And I, I, should, I, I should pick up my shield of faith, but I'm just not sure I I'm in a position to even be able to believe and trust God and trust his promises. Well, praise God, right, for, and we even brought this up in our, our actually, uh, our boy, youth group last Sunday, our, our boys, we, we brought this up. Uh, I call him my patron saint, and that's a father, and uh, I'll bet he's your patron saint too. And if not, you're probably better than the rest of us. Thank God for you, all right? I'm, I'm, that's great. But I'll bet this, if you've ever heard of this, this thank you, Lord, it's in the Bible. And it's this guy, right, he has a son who's always, he's possessed by a demon and he's always trying to kill himself. He's throwing himself on a fire, he's trying to drown himself. Nobody can help, no doctors, nobody, right? Even Jesus' own disciples, they can't help, right? So Jesus comes, right, to him and, 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 and the father's desperation, this is no small thing, this is his son. Think about that. He says to Jesus, if you can help. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 what? Did you say if? If? I see, Jesus isn't so worried about the circumstances. He knows he can, he's worried about his heart. Is he actually going to have faith, right? And so Jesus says, listen, there is no if with me. You just need to believe. Believe. Pick up your shield of faith and believe. And what does he say? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. I do. Help my unbelief. Don't you love that schizophrenia? <laughs> Has you ever felt that way? Who's ever felt that way? 
I believe, I believe. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't, right? I, I want to believe, right? And here's a beautiful thing. This might be your shield of faith today. Maybe just this. This prayer you can leave here with. Jesus, help me to believe. He doesn't scorn at that prayer. He loves that prayer. It means you're picking up your shield of faith and you're saying, I know you can help me and I need it. And some of us who are hiding behind uh, Christianity as we got it all together and inside you know you're riddled with doubts, but you don't want anyone to know. You just need to come before the Lord on your knees and say, help. Help me, Jesus. Help me to believe. I do believe, but I need help in believing because every moment it's, it's an, another arrow, another arrow trying to get me to doubt your promises. But I won't. I'm going to stop pretending I believe and I'm going to ask you to help me believe. Help me believe in the promises that you've given me in my life. The second um, and last part, I think, these fiery arrows get us to doubt. It's not just God's promise, but God's power. Faith in God's power extinguishes the fiery arrows of temptation. They're connected, really, right? Like, like it's one thing to make a promise, but do you have the, prom- the, the power to carry it out? Like, I could promise you anything. I could say, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build you a new house for your family from scratch. That's my promise to you. Guaranteed. And then you find out I can barely hold a hammer. And you're like, uh, okay, Jamie. Need some help, right? Because there's one thing to have a promise, but do I have actually something to back it up? And so you might say, well, I guess I believe these promises, but here's what the enemy tries to say. But God does not have the power to do that in your life. God doesn't have the power over the the sea, Peter. God doesn't have the power over your circumstances, right? This is, um, what, what happens then is we have temptation. Temptation, oh, come over here for power. Come over here for satisfaction. Come over here because of your problem and your circumstances. God isn't enough. That's the fiery arrow. Watch how, how James tells us how it works. Look. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. Desires are not bad. Some are. But God gives you good desires. That's not the problem. The problem is when the enemy says, yeah, but he can't deliver that. But I can. Right? If you, you have a desire for intimacy, that's good and right. Closeness. Right? But here's where the enemy says, you, you're never going to get it in your marriage. You need to go over here. Oh, over here, you'll get intimacy. See how it works? Desire, tempted, gives birth to sin. You might have, and all that is is getting you to doubt that God can't do something in your marriage, or God can't do something if you're faithful to Him. Right? We we, we all hopefully you have a desire to 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 do well in your career, or if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad to to be excellent at it. That's is that a bad desire? No. But the the enemy says God doesn't have control over your career, so you got to lie, you got to take credit uh, from one of your coworkers that you shouldn't take. You gotta cheat here, you gotta gotta twist things here, right? And it gives birth to sin because you don't believe that God has this. And maybe there's a reason why you've stayed right where you are in your company or in your career. Maybe there's a reason. What's God doing? I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna pick up the shield of faith. The enemy's like, no, no, no. You deserve more, you should have better, right? See how it gives birth to sin? 
You have a desire for people to like you. Is that bad? I hope not. I hope you don't wake up and say, oh, I hope a lot of people hate me today. For some people, it seems like that's how they live their life. Hopefully that's not you. And that's a good desire. I want people to like me. But here's what the enemy will say. You can't trust God's power over your relationships or your reputation, and so you better go over here and you bully that person, you tear that person down, or you pretend over here, or you make yourself look like something you're not, right? All so people will like you, and those are fiery darts because you're not trusting in the power of God and who Christ is and his power behind it. So the, the shield of faith says, I will trust God's power in Christ. I'm not, like, it's one thing to say, all right, I trust Christ, and I have hell insurance, but now i gotta, I got to somehow get through life. No, no, no. The gospel stays. He's promised to redeem you, make you a new creation, continually sanctify you. He's got a place in heaven for you. This is a promise. This is his guarantee, and he's got the power to deliver because we've seen it in people's lives. You've seen it in your own life. And so every day, multiple times a day, you've got to pick up the shield of faith. I trust you, Jesus. I don't really see how this is going to work out, but I trust you. And and all the arrows come. They, they, They fizzle out. Because the trust that we put in, in God becomes far greater than the doubt in our circumstances. We trust his power all the time. And if we don't, what happens is we're lured over here to, to gain power or satisfaction because we don't believe God can give it to us. That's why the occult is so uh, alluring, even to Christians. I mean, I'm going to talk a lot more about that in two weeks. So, But it's like, oh, God's not enough. You need an energy stone. You need an oil. i got to stop preaching a sermon from two weeks from now. But you need to get my point. That's why, did you know that one in five um, of every mobile search is pornography? Everyone's like, oh, he's got to go there again with pornography. It's a classic example of the scheme of the enemy. It's okay. It's just your phone. Who's it hurting? Whoosh, whoosh. It's just burning lives to the ground, right? That's the scheme that, that uh, 96%, they did a survey of young adults, are, when they talk about pornography, it's either neutral or encouraging. 96%. It's not bad anymore. You see how that worked? And I know I'm an old-fashioned prude. You don't look at pornography, everyone does it. That's the enemy. Did you know that they did a survey, 88% of pornography has physical aggression in it, 88%. And 49% has verbal aggression. Yeah, it's not a problem at all. You're going to learn great things about intimacy and love by watching pornography. No way. It's destroying, right? But that's the temptation over here. Over here, don't believe that God can give you that satisfaction, that God can't do it. You've got to go over here for it. 20 million um, and by the way, I love this one. I don't want to skip over it. Is, uh, I don't love it, but it's crazy to me. that They did a survey in teens 13 and through the age of 24 um, that, that they believe that not recycling is worse than pornography. I mean, I'm off. I drag my recycle bin every other week down to my bed. I'm, I'm in, all right? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, come on. But that's the trick of the enemy, right? Over 20 million people in our country right now have admitted a substance abuse problem. And that's just admitted, probably triple that, right? That's millions of people. 
Because the allure and the promise are the numbing of my pain and emptiness and loneliness. It's doubting God's power, and the enemy uses it. Time and time again, you can't trust the gospel in your life. You can't trust God to hold you, God to have power over that. And so go over here. I've told you um, the last month or two um, of a guy who called me, and we talked for about an hour on the phone, about two days um, after he'd had a gun in his mouth. He gave me permission. His name's Stephen. I asked him, I said, you know, I've used you a few times in church. He's a few, many states away, um, but we, 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 we text back and forth. And he said, use my name, use my story, use it all. In fact, be praying, because my hope is, um, he really wants to, is in March when we have our next uh, believer's baptism, he's going to be here. And it's going to be a long road, but he wants to get baptized here. And I want you to be able to see that. But what, what, what he was um, so close to suicide is because he had done so much wrong. He had hurt so many people, and he just couldn't imagine that God could forgive him. And so he um, now, not only is going to church, but really is, is in the Word, and he actually started writing, I guess they're poems or songs. I'm not going to sing it because you don't want to hear me sing. But I wanted you to send me many, and they're amazing. I want you to hear this one. Because this tells the story of the power of the gospel, a real story, just within the last couple months. He wrote, crawling on my hands and knees through the muck, thorns, and weeds, tattered rags of my soul shredded with holes, no way to navigate this darkness, lost and alone, the whole world forgotten. My whimpers and moans only sound I hear, love's lost, so many hearts broken, mostly mine, but also all who love me. Must I continue on this path of destruction, laying waste to all who might maybe love me? Crushed, bruised, and broken enemies got me. I cry out to anyone listening to save me from myself and bring me home. Crush this addiction, killing my soul. Stomp out the want, the need down here in this hole. Could not sink farther in the earth. Please call a doctor, please. I'm almost lost now. Like a dawn over the ocean, see your grace and love descend on me. Healed my wounds, cleansed my thoughts, filled the holes self-inflicted in my soul. Lifted me from darkness, I'm no longer lost but begotten. Filled me with love, broken heart, forgotten. Repaired me, filled me, fixed, loved me. Lord Jesus, my Redeemer and Savior, lifted me from where I rotted. Saved me from the weight that crushed me. Grace and peace, love washed me. My cries of shame and pain replaced with love, joy, and gospel. Savior of all the lost and rotting, redeemed and with a place near God above me. That's the power of the gospel right there. I want to see so many Stevens. I don't know if you've figured this out. But that's the kind of story that keeps me going. That keeps me saying, we're going to go and take it to the enemy because there's other Stevens out there who have a gun in their mouth and think it's over for them and God's going to save. And he's going to keep them and he's going to redeem them and whatever, whatever, uh, we're all Stevens. We just have other things that might not look as, as dirty, but they're there and Christ is your answer. And the thing is, is when it all swirls around and he still every single day needs to pick up the shield of faith and I believe in that salvation. I believe in the God who's rescued me and I will not forget. So whenever the enemy says, not you, man, not you, extinguished, extinguished. And so you want to remember that even with temptations, that the prayer, that the language of faith is prayer. Our Father, lead us not into temptation, Right? What did Jesus say to his disciples in the garden? Pray that you do not enter into temptation. And they fell asleep. 
but he knew prayer language and faces of your temptation. I want to encourage you, if you're like here and say, you know what, I love that story of Stephen, I want that to be mine, or, or I, I want to have that faith, and I want to have that prayer life, but it's just so hard, I want to give you one more verse to end things with, and it's from Hebrews chapter 2. Talking about Jesus, the, the writer says this, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, meaning Jesus, right, when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Gosh, if that can just be your shield today. Jesus, help me. You get it. You know what I'm going through. You know, help me. Help me. There's no more beautiful prayer on the planet, but Jesus, help me. Help me. He will. Pick up your shield of faith. And, I, I, you know, um, let me just show you this picture again. You know what's something cool about the scotum that the Romans would would put on, or the shield that they would pick up, is they link together. See that? That's why I chose this one picture. So sometimes when the attack was really bad, the whole battalion would link their shields together and it would defend them. You don't think Paul didn't have that in his mind? I think he did. Imagine, it's one thing if you pick up your shield of faith, but what happens if your spouse does too? What happens if some of your kids do too in your family? What happens if your small group all link together your shield of faith and believe God's promises for your lives and pray for each other's temptations and addictions and hurts and wants and struggles? What would happen if in this room and and then the other two times we met, our church, like maybe not everybody, right? Not everyone's in the same place. But if many of us link together the shield of faith, what did Jesus say? He'll be able to pick a whole, the whole mountain will go into the sea, Right? There was nothing that God can't do when his people put up their shield of faith and say, we trust your power. We trust your promises. The whole idea of us wanting this year more than 50 people, more Stevens or their story to come to Christ, that's nothing for God. Pick up your shield of faith and believe that he has a purpose for you, for us to walk into and never put it down. Remember what Paul said? All circumstances. Let's pray. Because Praying is the language of faith. Father, we, we, we do um, come before you, and I pray that each one of us would, would, would just envision raising our shield of faith. We trust you, Jesus. We trust your promises. We trust your power. We trust who you are and what you'll do. Lord, if there's anyone who's with us this morning if they're like Stephen was, or they're in a place where they're just ready to give up, they want to believe, but they need your help. Oh, Jesus, would you help them believe that you are the answer, the only answer, the only answer. And Lord, your, your people who are in this room, whatever circumstances, and we have them, oh, you know what we have all around us. Give us the strength to pick up our shield of faith and trust you every moment, all circumstances, to trust you. And Lord, use us. Use our, our families, our ministries, our church by faith to extinguish the arrows that are coming at us, even right now, that we would, we would come and we would sing for the glory of Christ so loudly with such a heart that it would just punch the enemy right in the throat. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We hate the enemy who keeps trying to keep us from you. We're in a fight, but Lord, 
Help us to see, not to be scared, but be aware and to pick up that shield to remember who we are, the purpose and plan and power behind that. It's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's sing praises to the glory of Christ. That same song about the whole armor of God. Let's stand.